the verse, probably verse 10 again and see how far we get tonight. Uh, so what shall we say then? Verse 1, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we, uh, uh, shall we continue in sin uh, that grace may be about, that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many uh, of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into the death or into His death? Therefore we were uh, buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Actually, I'm going to stop right there. Well, no, that's verse 4. We'll go to verse 5. For if we have been, uh, if we have been uh, united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be that... Uh, our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Uh, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. Uh, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. I'm going to stop right there. So, um, we went through verses, the first four verses and uh, I'm going to back up and I'm going to pick it up in verse 3 to 5. Go ahead. I had done that. I didn't start that. Um, I was so excited too. Uh, I forgot about something. Uh, praise and prayer request. Man, I don't really get into this because I know we're short. Uh, well, we're just thankful that Roger's here and we pray for Ann. And um, we have some people at Quailhaven who are struggling with health problems. Anita, Anita, for one, if you'll remember her, please. And uh, Mr. Risa, the one whose son passed away, she's she's come along very well, and she's um, 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 it's already good spirit today. And that was a good thing. Any other? I remember uh, my friend Karen Corton. That's uh, nice. Courtney, she's in the she's on the list. I praise that you're all here tonight, and uh, I'm here actually, I'm happy to be here, but uh, it's, just, it's just good to, to see so many here tonight. Um, keep Robert and Diane in your prayers, they they've gone to the beach for a week. Uh, they finally got into their house and through the stress of all of that and uh, so they're going to the beach for a week. Um, and, uh, just remember them traveling down and traveling up. 
think June's traveling too, but I think she went somewhere. Uh, we're going to know Patrick and then talking about going to uh, Beckham and going to Wilmington. So we've got a lot of people going to travel a little bit. We're going to, me and the boys are going to Charlotte and Morrisville this weekend, so we're trying to keep that. And uh, we'll get back Sunday and uh, have a great, hopefully we'll have a great day. Y'all have to be the judges of that. This is what the Lord laid on my heart, so uh, I'll preach that. So, uh, any other prayer requests, uh, announcements? Our revival and homecoming. Homecoming is on the 10th. Our revival is 11th, 12th, and 13th. Uh, and everybody is welcome to come to homecoming. Uh, trust me, there will be enough food to feed everybody. Uh, and then on the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night uh, at 7 o'clock, we'll have our revival. And uh, we've got a couple of preachers to, to preach, and we've got some special music. And so it's going to be a good thing. Invite your friends, come and have a big time. Uh, our annual homecoming. I think that's a, if you count the year the church has been here, uh, this will be the 147th homecoming. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. There's a phrase. Yeah, that's a phrase. And, and actually, that's a deep creek back. Prior to that, it was Sandy Creek. Sandy Creek back. And uh, that church goes back into the 1700s. Uh, the bell tower is part of the original uh, church from 1700. Uh, in the 1950s, the church was moved uh, about three miles down to where it sits today on the law because they were putting in a lake in it but they moved it here on the law in nineteen fifty. And uh, so church has been around for a while. Um, deep history. It was founded by the uh, at Deep Creek, it was constituted by the uh, Sandy Creek uh, Baptist Association, which wound up becoming the North Carolina Southern Baptist Convention. They were one of the most prolific Baptist organizations in the South because they sent pastors all over the place. They, they raised up, trained pastors, and so on. Uh, you know. That's quite a testimony. Yeah, it, it's a, this church has got a rich history. Um, if there's no more praise prayer requests, we'll, uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, most glorious Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for this day. Our time together, Lord, we lift up those on the prayer list, uh, the families that are grieving, those that are that are facing terminal illnesses, Lord, and uh, those that are just coming to the end of life and having physical struggles. And uh, Lord, we just lift them all up to you. You're the great physician, you're the great healer, and, and we rely upon you for our healing. We rely upon you to hear our request, and Lord, we know that you're in control of all this, and all of this down here is messed up as we see it is going to work for your glory. Lord, we just trust you. Uh, your word is true. Your promises are, are, are forever. And Lord, we just, just thank you for that. I ask you to bless our time together. Uh, bring this word alive. Uh, let Roger and I uh, say the things that need to be said uh, the way you would have us to say. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, so, uh, 
I read the, I read ten verses and listen. I'll back up to verse three. It says, uh, uh, "Since Jesus had been baptized, or uh, since we have been baptized into Christ Jesus," in verse three, uh, Jesus was baptized. Uh, Jesus has baptized those who believe in Him. Uh, so we become the temple of God. In First Corinthians three sixteen, we are the temple of God. Uh, like I said last week. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I used to ask youth if there's anything that they would say outside of the church that they wouldn't say inside the building. And they said, yes. I said, well, you've already said it in the temple. How is that? Where did Christ say he was going to build a church? In the hearts of men. So you're walking around with the temple of God in you. That's where, where did the Holy Spirit reside? In your heart. And so uh, you give him free reign and you let him do what he needs to do. Otherwise, you know, we like to. We like to invite people to come in and make themselves at home, but don't open that closet because that's a junk room or that's a junk closet. You know, if you do open it, you're taking your life in your own hands because it's going to pour out. Because when the neighbors come up, when you shut it off, but, it, uh, but we want to give him free reign in our heart. We want to give him access to every nook and cranny in our heart so that he can continue to shape us and mold us. Uh, we're to glorify God. With our body and our spirit, First Corinthians uh, chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty. You know, we're not only just our body, but we're supposed to do it with our spirit also. Uh, we've been saved, uh, we've been baptized, and, and uh, we've been through baptism, which is the representation of what's happened to us. We died to our sins, we were resurrected anew in, in Christ, and one day when we get to heaven, and the time for that, we're going to get a glorified body. If we have been adopted in and grafted into the family of God, we're now the sons and daughters of Christ, of God Himself. Uh, we're joint heirs with Jesus to the, to, uh, to the fullness of that. Uh, and so Jesus has baptized us into Himself. See, there's no other way that we can stand before just us. And Christ Himself tells us that He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Him. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit later on, or we already have, that there's no other name under heaven uh, by which men are saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's it. You know, um, so, go ahead. This explodes right here. Mm-hmm. You, the, uh, sit in the Roman church with me for a minute. Paul is telling in this letter, you guys are sinners, chapter 1 and 2 and 3. There's no way out. And he's coming down to six. I'll be faster. And six, he begins to say, continuing sin. Where did that come from? You gotta stop for a minute. Then he goes to baptism, death, and resurrection, all at the same time. Past, present, and future. For us. We're going to die. 1900 years ago, we died with him. 19 years, 1900 years older than 1900 years ago, he died. He was put to death. This is the gospel message coming online. Why? Why did Jesus Christ die? They didn't know that. They did not know this. And it's what we preach today. It's the gospel message. But they didn't know that. You see, the woodwork broke loose when a guy came out of the grave alive. All Rome knew this. All Rome heard this story. 
All over them, the Gnostics come out of the woodwork, come out of Egypt wondering, hey, maybe we can talk ourselves with these special secret sayings and come out of the, come up, get past the gods, the little g gods, and get to the real God. Because the guy came out of the grave of life for the first time in history. This wasn't some secret little thing that, oh, well, did he really come out of the grave of life? No. There's 500 witnesses that told him he came out of the grave alive. And Paul is trying, trying the best words, and he's very good at this, to pull together this story. You're a Christian. What does it mean? What does this mean? And that's where we're going here. Uh, it's going to explode in this word. Baptism into Christ? 1900 years ago? Uh, 2000 years uh, yeah, uh, right at 2000. Well, it, it, it was 30. Give it a try. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got it. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to take that back. Closer yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, we've been baptized into the body of Christ. You know, when when we said we've been we've been baptized into Christ, uh, we've been raised into Christ. Uh, he took us in. I mean, he, we were covered by his blood. Uh, we took off the old man. We put on the new when we became through Christians. Uh, he had to die. Yes. He had to die for us to be able to do that. Now, with that being said, I, I'm going to. All of our sins have been covered. Mm -hmm. and, and I had a conversation this weekend twice with the girl that I went to high school with, and a lady, anyway, and. Uh, I had made a statement that I would not put a, the, the, I would not take the mark of the beast, and the, nor would I allow this something. And so we got into a conversation, and uh, and I think I'm going to have to talk to her tomorrow about some more things. But you know, I told her I said we've been. She, she, she explained to me. She said, "You know, here I was raised uh, Lutheran Presbyterian." I said, I, "I don't know who your mom and dad is. I don't know who you know. And I said, and she said that is there something different? I said, "No, there's not anything different." It's the way it was interpreted. I said, so here's what we're talking about. And uh, I said, if you take the mark, you're, you're condemned. The Bible says that if you take the mark of the beast, you are condemned. Period. Period. That's, that's, when Jesus says you are condemned, when they take that mark, there is no recovering from that because that is an affront to God. They have decided that they're going to follow the, 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 the Satan. They decided they're going to follow the anti the antichrist, the anti-God, the 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 imposter. And so when you take that mark, that's the only way you're going to be able to buy and sell. Uh, you know, people say, well that's a long way. No, it's not. We're all using debit card and credit card now anyway. That's that paperless buying. It's all contained on that little chip on that card. Well then now they want to put that chip in your box. So all you gotta do is swipe your hand. You know, we're already swiping our phone. If you have the, the easy pay or whatever you want, fast pay or whatever. By the way, they do this in Michigan with a grain of rice in their hand at a vending machine and it charges them and it delivers their candy or their you know, potato chips, whatever. It's already done. The question is, what does it mean? Uh, have they made a denouncement, as you were saying, directly denounced Christ? Right. As part of the process. And, and, and the ones that are going to wind up getting it 
the fastest are going to be those that are illiterate. That's why they're trying to follow Christians. But anyway, I was going to talk about I'm telling you, all of the ones we're committing, but the ones we're going to, they're all taken care of. I said, we ask for forgiveness to maintain the relationship with God. It ain't that he's going to say, well, you're finished, I'm not going to listen to you. That's, no, it means you're not you're losing your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. I said, who? God has put in my hand, no man can take out. And it says that neither the neither the things, the, the the wickedness of man nor the the spoils of the uh, of hell will be able to shake you from from my hand. And that's our position. That's our We're position. Safe. We are sealed. Our practice now is what he's going into. What we got to live it out. What do we do? How do we live this? Yeah. Right now, if you go to like we started in First Corinthians. You can be put out of the church and left to your own devices, not to lose your salvation, but that you might come to your senses and return. Your salvation is set. The guy in 1 Corinthians that was having an affair with his... And so, your salvation is set. There's the people that tell you, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. Once you accept Jesus Christ, you're saved. You are set. Your destiny it's all of a sudden you're going to be perfect. You can't be because we have a corrupt. We have also been put on Christ. We put it on. Him. That is a very intimate term. I mean, it's like there's a great big cabin and it's been brought together. Like when you when you get married, you you, know, you and your wife become one. Well, we are in Christ. We are one. That's why. That's why Pastor talked about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal relationship. Well, guys, we have a hard time with that. You know, because uh, we have a personal relationship with our wives. And, and I, I'm friends with, 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 with Roger and I'm her brother. And, and I'm friends with Brian and Stephen and all. But we have a relationship. I don't know that it's a personal relationship. Probably we not, love each other. Probably not that intimate. Probably not that intimate. I mean, there's things that I do that I'll tell him about. And I'm sure there's things he does he don't tell me about. But with Christ, he already knows what we're doing. I mean, you know, it's like it's like me, as big as I am, going out and standing behind one of them little key posts that you're driving around trying to hide my sins from God. You can't do it. I mean, I stick out on both sides a lot. And so uh, he already knows. All we have to do is admit. All we have to do is admit. And so that maintains that relationship. Uh, we are to live our lives please Him. And that's where the habit comes. We're to live our lives to please Him. Why? And, and the question becomes why. Well, that's, I'm going to get to you. We'll get there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard for us to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about this. We got married. We gave God. We stood before God and everybody and said, we're going to honor our wives. How many times have we not honored our wives? And vice versa. Well, our job, according to the Bible, was to love her and cherish her and provide for her like Christ did for the church. I can be honest, I have not always done it. In fact, sometimes I have come way from doing that. And by first, I mean, I love her, but there's days I wake up and I'm having a bad day. And I'm sure that there's days that she wakes up and she's having a bad day. And, and because she knows and I know that she ain't going anywhere. Where do, where do you think I'm going to unload it? And vice versa. But, but 
with this relationship with him, we're the men, we're to please him. And if we're pleasing him, this is what I found out in my 36 years of marriage and my relationship with Jesus Christ. If I keep him centered first, I keep my relationship with him centered first, everything else works itself out. Works itself out. Now, does that mean it's always going to be easy and great? No. No, sometimes it's going to be some fire grapes in there, and sometimes it's going to be some having to clean out the dog lot and all that stuff. But it's not always going to be great. But as long as I've got this relationship, no matter what happens to me, everything else is going to work itself out and be fine. Because I have to honor Him in all that I do. And that's where a lot of people have problems. How are you going to please Him? He gave you the Ten Commandments. You can't keep them. But I'm not required to keep the Ten Commandments. I've been covered by blood. That was to show me that I needed to save There's no man been able to keep the Ten Commandments. No. It was put out, the law was put out to guide us to, you know, for the need of the Savior because none of us can keep those ten. And then they go and add more, six hundred and some more. And, and it was the best way I know to explain it. The Ten Commandments are ten links in a chain. And you're hanging on the bottom link. Because Christ said, if you broke one, you broke them all. The results are the same. Dead. And they take that, that you're on the bottom of that chain, they swing you out with a big crane over the Grand Canyon. Does it matter which one of them you broke? No, the results are the same. You're going to fall here dead. So how do I, you know, I need a savior. I need somebody to come get me off this game. I need somebody that can cover my sin. And that was Christ. The only person that can do that is Jesus Christ. And so if Jesus has baptized us into his death, we've been back, we've been buried into his death in Romans 6, 4, and 5. And that's what we're talking about right now. We've been buried into his death. And, and we are now to live unto Christ. Galatians 2, 20 and, and 21. We're to live for Him. He bought and paid for us. Why do you think Paul said he was a bond servant of Christ? He paid a big debt for us. I mean, he wiped, he wiped away our sins. I mean, it's like He blotted them out. There's no record of them. He, for, he forgave them. He canceled our debt. There's not even a record of it. And when we get there and your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, then you go. Now, we're going to give an account for our lives since we accepted the gift of salvation. That's what we're going to give an account for. We're not going to stand before him and give an account for rejecting God because we have not done it. We're going to be standing up there with Christ when we're judging the world with him. Uh, there's a, a uh, several, and you said verse 5, so King James Version, it's for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, his likeness term is what throws a lot of the people trying to figure it out. NIV is for if we have been united with him in a death like his, and REV says, for if we have become identified with him in his death, and NRSV says, if we have been united with him in a death like his, the word likeness 
which in the Hebrew, let me read you the new King James. Okay. okay. All right, it says, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead uh, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Yeah, probably the likeness term is expressed many ways, other ways in Christianity, the reality of Christ's epic ending, sin dominating, breaking, domination, domination, dominion breaking death. The outworkings of this in the here and now, the outworkings of it, what, what happened when he did that? The fusing together of the believer's reality in Christ's work Fusing together. No, we don't become suddenly like Christ. This likeness doesn't mean it's a form of Christ. And this, this will lead into what this is going to very quickly. The visibility of God's transcendent reality. See, all of these, these pagans were trying to make sense of their gods when all of a sudden one of the gods himself came out of the grave alive claiming to be man uh, sacrificed for the humans, all of them and then it says the visibility of God's transcendent reality as in faith. Now how does this transplant to the hearts of the <coughs> and what is it doing? The whole point is this likeness is the transforming power that we become like Christ. Not our work. We don't do it. It happens through faith. It's through faith and belief in it. And the best word that comes up to mind when we talk about this in the old church is yield. We yield to Christ. We yield to His power. That's all we can do is say yes. Yep, He goes. In verse 4, he, he baptized us and buried us into his death. You notice it says into his death. Christ raised us and gives us true life uh, to our human body. We now, once we say, once we had a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're, 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 our bodies are going to come to fullness. Uh, think about the things that you've you experienced since coming to Christ. I mean, it, it ain't all been peaches and cream, but uh, in the most part, for the most, I, I'm happy. I mean, things break and things do this, but I'm happy. I'm not. I'm not depressed. I'm not uh, wandering about. You know, well, I read the news this morning. Oh, it's terrible. I read the news. From, it's terrible. I seen this. You know, I have hope. The hope is that uh, you know I can get my family. To accept Christ, which they have, thank God. Now I'm working on my grandchildren. Uh, and, and so that we can be together in heaven for eternity. You know, and if I don't, if I don't tell them, and that's in my own house, uh, how am I going to tell somebody else? You know, that's that's one of the big issues we have is, is we don't even witness to our own family. Now I got a little brother and he's me and him, we go at it. Uh, he's been, unlike me, he's been educated beyond his intelligence. 
I knew when my education stopped, because if I went any farther, I would be educated beyond my intelligence. And I thought he did not keep that goal. And so uh, we we get to that. And uh, but everything that he learned when we were raised, he denied. And so that makes a big issue between me and him. Uh, now he is he's twenty years younger than me. And so he is uh, he's forty five. So he he's starting to he's starting to change. The 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 things that my mom and dad instilled in him, I can see bits of it coming out. You know, and so uh, he's coming around. He's coming around. So but this we're all to preach the gospel. We're to be bearers of the goodness to everybody who comes in. And if you want to quote Adrian Roberts, preach the gospel wherever you go, and when necessary use words. Our lives should be a representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should be able to help people. We should be so out of the norm that people recognize our life. And that's, that, you know, and today, especially here in the United States, we're so comfortable. I mean, think about it. You know, we have, we, we don't really suffer too much from the heat, unless our air goes out. We don't really suffer too much from the cold. Unless our power goes out, you know we we've got it pretty easy. You know we don't have to we don't have to go and scavenger for our food every day. We've got appliances that take care of that. You know we don't have to we don't have to worry about being wet or when the sun or when it's raining and worry about the sunshine. We have a roof over our heads. You know if we decide we want to go somewhere, we can get in a car. We ain't got to walk. We don't have to carry our water. I mean we had it easy. We have plumbing in the, in the house. We don't have to walk to a nasty ditch somewhere to, to relieve ourselves. We're some of the richest people, you know, even though we're middle class, we're, even, our, even our poor in the United States are upper class in the country. I mean, when you have a government that sets the, the, the uh, poverty level, just, it doesn't sound like it's $13,000. A friend of mine sent a hundred and forty dollar home, and the place that he sent it home to, uh, their dollar is worth three cents American. And so that's not that's not good, you know. And so you know our core here. You think about this: the, the people that live below the poverty level here in the United States, they have a car. They have at least one TV, they have cell phones. Most of them are overweight. Okay. They got it great. They live in a house. They're not in a cardboard box with plastic wrapped around it to keep the rain out. So it's not kind of easy. So we, we don't tend to we don't tend to want to reach out. You know. Uh, we don't tend to want to stand on the corner and, and sweat and talk about God. We don't want to afraid to upset somebody. You know, we don't want to share the gospel. Like me, I had to quit paying at the pump because I was given this an opportunity to go and talk to the woman inside or a person inside a store. Walk in after my minutes. I hope God blesses you. you know, before that, I just walked right up, stick the car in, pump my gas, and drive off. Didn't see anybody. And so, these are the things that we're talking about. You know, Christ 
was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, and He called us to live by the power of God. We're to live by the power of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 4. The power of God. How many of us are calling upon that power? How many of us are, are really tuning in to what the Holy Spirit says? Because the Holy Spirit that is in us is the same Holy Spirit that was in the author of this study that we're doing now. He authored the book. That Holy Spirit that was in him is the same Holy Spirit that's in us. The power that, that he had, it's with, it resides within us for his glory, not ours. Um, and that is a, a kind of a forgotten message here that, uh, that we are being formed in this likeness. Actually, though, back up. The first um, word coming out of LXX, which is the original Septuagint, back about 2300, well, 285 to 246, they copied the Old Testament. Paul is going back into the Old Testament here. You know, I'm digressing here, but I'm going to step one word back and go forward. This whole thing, Paul is trying to get the doctrine set in this chapter. He's trying to say you're in the you're a copy, an image of Christ. It's going to be turned loose to carry his kingdom on on this earth. You're not him, but you're like him. Like your uh, second part of this, and the clearer part of what likeness is, is your form, a form of him. And in speaking this, in this time, Paul is pulling this together, the Holy Spirit is the very thing that transformed. He said he'd send that. And, and Paul has yet to uh, stick that in this whole thing too so that you would understand that it's not of your power. You're being transformed. Why are you being transformed? Well, you first got to understand that, yeah, you died to sin. You were baptized. What does that mean to you? And he's using that baptizing, baptism as a metaphor to say, look, it was Christ who took your sins away forever. And it is his cost, his death. Now you're in him because you have the Holy Spirit. Now walk out this life. How are you going to do it? Again, yield. You've got to give into it. So now he's going to take you down to a I want to read this. Every eyewitness to the resurrection had told the known world about what had happened. They all knew a man named Jesus had just come out of the grave alive. He was going to be a king to lead against Rome. He'd come out of the grave alive. The resurrection was a historical event, a period in history. Point blank is a historical event that could not be denied. The Gnostics came out of the woodwork. The pagans began mandating sacrifices. Hold on to that word mandating. Mandating lockdowns, if you will. The Christians began to make theological sense for the first time of what happened here. What? See, I thought he was going to die for, for, for us. And, and as the road to Emmaus, the guy said, and redeem Israel. They, they didn't understand 
where their sin was, what Christ had done, and now Paul is explaining the wonder. Paul was called to this. Yeah, he's working. You know, he's bringing this theologically. This doctrine. And so they can't understand this today. Well, he tell, no, I mean, he's telling them right here in verse 4 about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He said, Christ called us to live by the power of God. Christ is working in us uh, with his mighty power in Ephesians 1, 19 20. Christ strengthened us with his mighty power in Colossians 1, uh, verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, uh, verse 11. Uh, Christ makes it possible for us to walk in newness of life. You know, Christ raised us from the dead so sin no longer has control over us. Romans 6, 9. We're going to get there. I'm going to tell one more. And to add to this, Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then can people call on someone they have not believed? And how can they believe in someone they have not heard about? Of course, they've all heard. See? And how can they hear without someone preaching. This is Paul talking Romans 10, 14. And how can people preach unless they, they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are those who bring the good news. Christ Paul is going to talk about this through down in chapter 10. Yeah. And you can't pack it all in here. It's just there's not enough room for it. Christ delivered us from the law to serve in the newness of the Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. The law didn't say it. It directed us to Christ. And so uh, that was Romans 7, 6. Uh, Christ is transforming us by the renewing of our minds of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, Christ makes it possible to make no provision for the flesh in Romans 13, 13 and 14. So we're not to worry about our flesh. We know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. Uh, and so in verse 5 it says that we are also being the likeness of his resurrection. Christ planted us together in the likeness of his death. Christ reconciled us to God through his death. Back in Romans 5 10. Christ says we died with him and we'll live with him in Romans 6, 8, and 10. We died with him. We're going to live with him. That's a guarantee. If we died with him, we're going to live with him for eternity. There's another statement right here that, that tells us that we can't lose our salvation. When he said it was finished on the cross, everything for salvation was taken care of. Once you accept him and, and, and you get the newness of life and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you are sealed by the blood of Christ for eternity. Amen. Amen is right. Amen. Uh, that Romans 6, 8, and 10, he died... Uh, so that we can leave it, live in him, let me back up. Christ makes our new man righteous and holy. Ephesians 4, 24. Uh, Christ will con conform us to his image as we get to know him. And that's in uh, Philippians 3, uh, verses 10 and 11. Christ will bear much fruit. And because of his resurrection, John 12, 24, Christ says, we abide in him we will also be fruitful. And uh, uh, John 15, verses 1 through 8. We're, we're going to be fruitful. We, we're abiding in Him. Uh, and so, uh, that's where our strength comes from. That's where the water comes from. The living water that will pour out of us. And why we won't thirst. You know, before we came to Christ, most of us were looking for something to fill that void in our heart. And once we accepted Christ, that void was filled. 
We think, and can't, I have. I mean, I, there was some, I mean, physical things still upset me some, but as far as overall, I am content as I can be. I'm happy. Do I wish things were better? Absolutely. Could things be all at work? Oh, that's most definitely. Uh, and, and has Satan been bothering me? Yes. Yes, he has. And if Satan hadn't been bothering you, if things hadn't been going haywacky and all this around you, then, then you're not busy for the work for the kingdom. He's not worried about you if he ain't attacking you. And as soon as you start doing his work, well, look out. You're going to have people coming at you from all over the woodwork. You're going to have people that were your friends. You're going to have people that, that were close to you. You're going to have people that are strangers. You're going to have people that don't even know you talk about you in, in certain realms. And then when you get there, oh, you're that pastor from so-and-so. You know so and so. Well, they said you do this, this, and this. No, don't do that. Uh, and, and so he's using other people that are that are readily available to attack you. And if he can't get you through that, he will use your family. Something will go wrong. Go wrong. Walk in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom and step on a leg up. I guarantee you, you ain't singing hallelujah. Promise you that. Get yeah. your little toe on the corner of the wall. They're not nice words to come out. They do that immediately. Lord, forgive me. Because you see, it's still there. I've used this analogy before. If you've ever tore an engine down and put it back together, you would send that engine off before you put it back together to get back. And what they would do is they'd stick it in that back and hot acid and all kinds of things and wash it out to get all the old oil and grunk out of it. No matter how many times they run it through that vat, it's still some revenue with us. We, except Jesus Christ, we've been bad in the blood of Christ, and we still have that residue that we can't get down in that little nook and cranny. And it pops its head up. We think it's way deep down where it can't cut. Let somebody cut you off from track. That's my we, biggest fault. We, we see that the people in the old days and the new days, they want to change the Bible these days. They want to, they want to um, uh, tell you how it's wrong. They want to tell oh, you're a Christian. Well, here's what's wrong with your Bible. Right. And But did you know, this a little trivia here, that when Nehemiah went back and rebuilt the wall, there was one gate that never needed to be repaired. It's called the water gate. The water cave is the Word of God. It stood. And it stands today. The Bible stands on its own. The inerrant Word of God is, is there. And Paul is going to now preach this. And just is in Christ. And what is now our human life? from the slavery of sin. Right. Our human death. What is this? Our human death. He's talking about it here. Our hope in resurrection to be and look like. What is it to be and look like? Heaven forbid we return to sin. That's where he's going with this. We are being transformed to the likeness of Jesus. The best word here is not work abstain from the world or pay a penitence price for what you do wrong when you step on a Lego. Right. No. The best word is yield. Again, yield. Yield who? And prayer to Christ. 
and let him do the transforming and we will be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. That's our hope. This is forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. Right, but his word will stand. Christ wants us to know certain things in verse 6. He tells us that uh, he set us free from the slavery of sin. Uh, and so he wants us to know certain things. We know that Christ condemned sin and the flesh in Romans 8, 3. And if we go back over here in Romans 6, 9, it says Christ raised us from the dead so sin no longer has control over us. Sin no longer has control over us because uh, he condemned it in the flesh and we've been saved by the blood. We've been made whole by his actions on the cross. We've been crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20. Christ says our old man is crucified with him. So we have uh, to crucify the flesh and its desires in Galatians 5.24. We, uh, we are to be crucified to the world. That means we're supposed to give it up. But the, the cares and pleasures of this world, we're supposed to give it up. 6, 9, uh, 6, 14, Galatians. Uh, Christ says that the body of sin has been destroyed. So we're to put off the old man with its deceitful lust in Ephesians 4.22. We can put to death the deed of the body through the Spirit in Romans 8.13. And we are to put off the body of sin of the flesh in Colossians uh, 2, 11 and 12. And we are put to death our evil desires because they are idolatry. Colossians 3, 5. So our evil desires are idolatry. Because what do they do? They cause us to put something ahead of God. Anything. It can be anything. It can be it can be a it can be anything. Drink. Well, I drink that we drink. It doesn't necessarily have to be an alcoholic drink. It can be a program. It can be a TV show. It can be football games. It can be basketball games. It can be car racing. Whatever it is that keeps us from, from, from concentrating on the Word of God first can be an idol. It can, it can be. And whatever it is. Anything that separates from, from concentrating from the Lord is an idol. And uh, that's what he's telling us here. And if he puts to death the evil desires because they are idolatry. Uh, Christ says that uh, we do not need uh, to serve sin any longer. We don't have to be a servant to it. You know, that's how, this is how people who are uh, uh, addicted, that's how they get over their sin. Christ helps them break that sin. Christ helps them break the bonds of addiction. Uh, we're not to serve other gods any longer. Second Kings 5, 17. We're not to serve other gods. And, and we can make a God out of a lot of things. We can make a God out of money. We can make a God out of, out of a hobby. Um, and so it, it, it can separate us. Uh, we know that those other gods are dead. That's the first thing we know. All the other gods are dead. All of them. They're not alive. There's only one living up. That's God Almighty. And there's only one way to Him, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. All the rest of them are dead they're dead. They're just rocks. They're things that Christ and that God created when He created the earth. And people fashion them into a likeness of something that makes them feel good. That's it. A rock can't save you. Unless a bear is that, you might crack him in the head with it. I mean, but other than that, then he can't save you. 
uh, a statue can't save you. When we're talking about we're talking about spiritual salvation, we're talking about saving uh, for eternity. Christ said that the body of sin has been destroyed. Uh, we're to put off the old man and the deceitful one of Ephesians 4.22. We're to put off the body of sin of the flesh, Colossians 2, 11 and 12. I, I just read that again. Uh, we're no longer, uh, Christ says that we, uh, we don't need to serve sin any longer. Uh, we know that these gods are dead. That's Isaiah 26, uh, 13 and 14. Uh, we're to present ourselves alive to God, Romans 6, 13. We're to present our bodies as living sacrifices, Romans 12, 1 and 2. We have put on the new man who is renewing us in the image of Christ, Colossians 3, 9 and 10. And we have been set free from sin so that the so that our fruit can be holiness, Romans 6, 22. We've been set free. Our fruit is supposed to be, we're supposed to be producing fruit, holy fruit. And they say they will know us. He said, he said they will know you by your fruit. So if you're walking around and you've been sucking on those sour pickle and you all crabby all the time, how are people going to be attracted to that? That is not a great energy, God. God is not crabby. Jesus was not present. Jesus was forceful. Jesus was righteous. Jesus was loving. But he wasn't crazy. Even when he overturned and threw other people out of the temple, that was his father's time. There was business going on there that was illegal. They were skimming and scamming people. And it's been going on there since. There's churches out there that are scamming people. The only thing they're after is to separate them from the dock. What are they doing? What are they doing? And so, uh, we've been set free with that. You know, we, we put the whole man in that renewing the image of Christ. Uh, we're to be set free from sin so that our fruit can be holiness. That's our fruit, holiness. It's not our fruit is it, 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 the gospel. That's the meaning. Our life is to be holy. He said, be holy I am whole. I live in you. I live in you and you in me. I abide in you and you abide in me. Abide and live. That's what we're to do. We're to live for Him in all that we do, no matter where our lives are at. We're to be putting forth the image of God. And He gives us that ability. Go ahead. There, the Christians and the persecution that happened in the early days. Paul's talking about a very small group of people who believed and got persecuted for a little bit. And then down about 300 years later, Constantine. Constantine realizes that 40% of the Roman Empire was filled with Christians. And they were working in the government. They were doing good. They were not bothering anybody. Of course, you know, he the son didn't think he was a good Christian, but he became a Christian. He had three sons. They reverted back. But when they reverted back to paganism, I think one didn't. He got killed in battle, I believe. And, and then the other two reverted back. And then another one, he got killed. But the one that kept it going, 
Gallius in 311 says, no persecution of the Christians by law. And a little later, up into a later time, Julius's Christian persecutions are not repeated because they do not work. They produce more Christians. Now here's the day. You know, it's probably coming. But here's the persecution. Persecution makes you stronger, not weaker, number one. And number two, Christ knows it. God knows it. Those people are going to get their blessing in heaven, no doubt, that stand their ground. This guy named Athenaeus, and I'll stop on this point. Athenaeus was exiled five times by three, three different emperors. Five times he was exiled. He eventually hung out with the monks to survive. He, he stayed in the tomb of his family to survive. Part of this. And he got a title. Athanasius against the world. And he was probably credited for holding the orthodoxy, the righteousness of Christianity together in all of Christendom, as they called it back then. He, he held he held it together. He he just believed. That's it. And it worked. That's all we have to do. Any questions? Any comments? Kirby, you might have got something to Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. Amen. Obedience is the key to everything. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly right. And when you're talking about growing in faith, how do we do that? By, by going through trials. And going through tribulation so that we can learn to rely upon our faith. That's like, you know, the first time I drove, the bridge ship. I didn't know if I wanted to drive over again. And this was the bridge that was between me and the Abraham. And then uh, the more I drove across it, it kept holding, so I got to grab anything about it. Get the bridge and go. Faith. Faith. I had faith that the engineer could do what he was doing. And so that, that's how we do this, by experiencing God. And yeah, we experience him in our lives. We see him heal people. We see him bless people. And, and, you know, and we're supposed to be where when one of our brothers and sisters, you know, we're supposed to rejoice with them. And when they're grieving, we're supposed to agree with them. We're buried in other burden. And the way society is set up today, it's hard to do that. You know, I can remember when I was when I was a kid coming up, you know, everybody knew everybody. And you kind of on Sunday, somebody went to this house, and we went to this house on weekend because we were, my dad was in the military, we were at home. And uh, so everybody didn't get one person's house on Sunday, and next Sunday they get over somebody else's house. We played, and we ate, and we had a good time. You know, but we all knew each other. And if somebody was, was hurt or sick, they were all over it, you know. Uh, and so uh, that's just the way it is. You know, now, today, we, we got people we don't even know Live on our roof. You know, some people want to even walk next door to find out who lives next door. And, uh, I'm not one of them. People. I don't know who lives around me. And, and I make a point to stop and talk to them. Uh, but that's just because that's, that's what I did. I've always done it. I like people. And so, uh, even the ones that make me mad, I like them. Uh, 
But uh, so today's society is kind of hard, and then we're going to find out that that we already know that they're trying to silence the, the Christians in a public square. Complete. And any time that we say something, because we're Christians, it has supposed to carry no weight whatsoever. You know, during the election, they'll ask uh, uh, somebody who's a Christian that's running for office, can he separate his, his religion from his work? Well, first of all, Christianity is not a religion. You know, it's who you are. It's part of you that forms your worldview. No, you can't separate. And I had a guy ask me once. I said, Gary, you've been a preacher for a good while, but I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to leave the preacher out of it. I said, I can't. I said, there was a time when I probably could, but I can't now. He said, well, you're going to tell me something, and it's going to be biblically based. I said, you're right. And? He came back to me about two weeks later and he was ready to hear And? Well, I know. I'm doing one of them. It's the objective moral truth and you know, it's like it's your truth and my truth. No. Uh, objective moral truth. Everything I got it. has a, what's the word? Everything is exclusive. Right. Either it's true or it's false. And, and there's exclusive system well, about Christianity and about the truth too. I mean, there's you can't have it both ways. You can't make a false thing. Well, here's the thing. You know, uh, there's a term that, that people use today. Uh, you know, we know that when we were brought up, things were black and white. Right was right, wrong was wrong. All right, so black and white. You mix them together, where you get gray. And now everybody talks about, well, this is a gray. Area. No, it's not. It's not. It's not a gray area. It's either right or it's wrong. And, and you know, as far as the church here, I, I had an email this week and, and I asked it and I don't I haven't received a response back. They wanted to know um, wanted to know which way we lean. You know, and uh, I told them we don't lean, we stand. You know, so we stand on the word God. You know, we don't lean to the right, we don't lean to the left. You know. We stand on the Word of God. And if it's the Word of God says it's, it's good, then it's good. The Word of God says it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. I said that's the way it is. We just stand. We stand on the Word of God. Yeah. I receive a response back. Okay. I don't know if they were leaning to the left or leaning to the right. I don't know, but I'm, we, we stand and we stand on the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day and I ask you, Lord, to bless our time together. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to, to read it. We thank you we have the opportunity to, to hash it out among us and, and to be able to walk it out uh, for the world to see. Lord, we, we're coming to understand the depth and, and, and the breadth and, and, and the height of your sacrifice for us. And our responsibility in responding to that, that, that sacrifice. Lord, we love you. Keep us safe and bring us back to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.